Hi, I'm Paul Tizard. I'm creator of Overcome Your Fear of Flying in 30 Days. And in today's session, we are talking to Pete Higgins to give you Pete's top tips to beat fear of flying. Pete, welcome. So Pete Higgins and I have been working together for years. I've had a bit of a break of late for, for some reason. I can't remember why now, uh, but we've had a bit of a break. And But Pete's been brilliant. He's been looking over my 30-day program content, and he's got a fantastic customer service background, amongst other things. But Pete has been helping people who are scared of flying for ages and ages. So I thought it'd be really nice to get Pete on today and to just talk about some of his tips and his background. So perhaps you could say a little bit about yourself, how you ended up helping nervous flyers. Very privileged to meet Janet 25 years ago, to learn that we both lived near Croydon Airport in the 1950s. And every time the Dakotas and the Herons and the Doves went over, the televisions, which were black and white, would jump up and down. And so we both grew up with a love of aircraft. When we met, we both found we had a, a love of travel, which led to um, flights to some many wonderful destinations, often chosen for the type of aircraft they used and the type of holiday. Some of the things that we have done, which people, when they do not have a fear, can enjoy everything, been on seaplanes right out in the middle of the Indian Ocean, Osters, Janet has flown in an Oster. She had flying lessons in an Oster and I have done them in a Piper Warrior. I've been privileged to do three Concorde flights and many other types of aircraft, including for Janet and I, the whole of the Boeing range. We've flown on the Haviland Dash 8s from Hawaii over to Maui and we only did it so we could fly the aircraft. Lots of other things. And just recently, at Headcorn Airport, Janet brought me for a special present, a flight in a World War II Tiger Moth, which was very exciting. So would it be fair to say, Pete, you don't have a fear of flying? No, <laughs> I have a fear of not being able to get on a plane because I want to fly. Yeah. And yeah. I'm hoping everybody will feel the same as me. And they can do, if they follow the Love Fly program, they can achieve anything they want. It's if they want to do it. They will have wonderful experiences and enjoy all the meeting people overseas, going to lovely destinations, knowing that whatever aircraft they fly is very safe. All airlines, captains, the first officers, all the cabin crew are highly trained mm -hmm. to look after you. And if you have any problems, you've only got to ask them and they'll come up with an answer to put your mind at rest. It's as simple as that. Pete, brilliant. So, I mean, that's fantastic. So we've got a bit of a, a sense of your journey uh, with flying and stuff. So maybe you could share some of your tips, because I know you help a lot of nervous flyers at the moment, and you've been doing that for, for many years. What sort of stuff do you do with them that you find helps them? Well, I go through the start of before they've even booked their holiday. The last person that came to see me was a lovely lady highly stressed out 
and she was going to cancel her holiday. So when I put it to her, so what do you do for a living? It was a school teacher. But sadly, these school teachers work very hard and they're often in control. And she knew where I was going to go to with the control. Then I said to this lady, who booked the holiday? She said, I did. Who packed all the cases? I did. Who sorted out all the arrangements for getting to the airport and parking? I did. So I said, when you get to the airport, what happens then? She says, I start freaking out for getting onto the plane. I said, well, from now on, you've taken control of everything from your husband to the children, getting to the airport, getting onto the plane. Now I want you to let that control be taken over by the captains, the first officers and the cabin crew who will look after you all the way. I then go on to explain in very simple terms, which sometimes they come back and highlight a few questions on that, that when you choose your seat, have a look at the other people around. See who's freaking out. No one. See who are married because they don't talk to each other. <laughs> so you can see where I'm coming from. Now, that is a distraction. Sit in your aircraft seat and then listen to the cabin service announcements and the safety demonstration. It's all there for you to ensure that you have a, a smooth flight. And in the unlikely event, if anything goes wrong, you'll know what to do. But in my flying career, um, and a lot of my colleagues, we have never had anything go wrong. The next thing to do is... So, so let me just... So at this point, do they generally start to feel a bit more relaxed or are they kind of curious? Where, where are they normally after that spiel? They, they, at this point, this lovely lady, this school teacher, she sat back in her chair and smiled and I was on a winner. I said, now we go through a scenario. I said, so do you remember at school when you did your times tables? And she went, oh, yes. I said, so you started off on the blackboard, probably like I did in the 50s with the two times. And you did it every morning before anything started. Yes. I said, so what a nine, seven, 63, eight, eight. He said, 64. I said, now get a pen and paper and let's write down some of the things that you're going to go through every time you fly a plane. So number one, you take your seat. Number two, make yourself comfortable. Listen to any announcements. Number three, you'll get the uh, safety demonstration. And this will happen every time. And I want you to not learn it, but keep it with you. So it's with you every flight. Number four, the captain will announce, uh, Captain Sanzo here, we're going to head off and it'll be all technical talk, which would be rather nice to hear because they, they're very technical guys, but love their flying. Then we start to taxi out and you'll hear lots of noises, boom, boom, boom. That's the wheels on the cat's eyes. They're designed to do it every time. If it's not there, that's a bonus, but it will be there. Then I'll say the next thing, all the overhead bins will rattle like mad. If they didn't rattle like mad, we probably wouldn't go anywhere because everything is flexible in the aircraft. You, you, get, you taxi out and you line up with the runway and the cabin, captain said, cabin crew, please be seated for takeoff. Exciting. The next thing you're going to get is the noise of the engine, and you're in a tube. So this is in your times table, don't forget. Every flight you do, 
and the brakes will be released and you'll thunder down the runway. Yes, go for it. That's really good. No matter where you are in the world, that noise will be the same unless it's a tiny little plane. At about 150 to 175 mile an hour, the captain will raise the nose up and you'll climb away. And they write that down, so they're expecting it. Then at 1500 feet, we go through the noise abatement procedure and I explain that and I explain how the undercarriage comes up. Everything is working right. And if there's a turn, you might feel your tummy drop, sit upright, keep looking ahead, nothing will change. Soon after that, the aircraft will climb up to its altitude and the cruise control will kick in and then you fly all the way with peace of mind. And in the cruise, there might be some turbulence. I said, I go to sleep in turbulence because I said to her, if I get on a train from London to Birmingham and that rocking, I'm asleep within five, ten minutes. And the same can be for a plane because there's nothing to be afraid of. Then I explain how we reverse everything on the way down. The wings are, are very wide to create lift. I said, now, as they approach the airport, they have to bring the aircraft into a configuration for landing so that they can land on a, 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 a long runway. And by then, they're quite interesting. Because she's writing it down, I don't type it up for them. I make them write it down, which is a lot easier. I said, so you're coming down, down and down. You can feel your ears popping. You might feel the engines change pitch slightly. You might feel a jolt in the seat because if you look out on the wings, if you're lucky enough to have a, a wing view, you'll see the speed brakes come up. And when they pop up, you get a little jerk. That's good. I like that because you're coming down. You're going to Barbados or, or Spain. And as you get lower and lower, you might hear the engine thrust going, as the auto thrust continues to keep the aircraft at the speed the captain wants for landing. At the same time, if you feel any little wobbles from side to side, that's good because the autopilot corrects it and brings it on to a straight line at the right speed. And as you go down and down, you might see yourself coming into some cloud. Now you're going to get a few little bumps. And as you go through the cloud, you'll be rocked around. That's good because that's what it's supposed to do. Sometimes it doesn't if it's just missed. And then when we land, it will be a very heavy landing because it's designed to do that. It'll be a bang. That's not a bad landing. That's a good landing. And I always explain that if there's any moisture on the runway, the heavy, the heavy landing or the loud landing will disperse the moisture and it won't go into aquaplane. The reverse thrust is deployed. When they deploy that, the aircraft is very quickly brought to crawling speed by using the reverse thrust and moving the air the other way into the engine into the baffle boards at the back you don't waste brakes and you save on tires and you save on the wheel brake pad wear when that's done the captain will go to a crawl speed newly put a bit of music on and they'll welcome you to barbados and you taxi to your gate if you do that every single flight with this printout we add a lot more to it if they want more detail. She would have learned her flying times table. The other thing I usually say to them. Let's just pause for a second. That was, yeah. that was great stuff. So let's just, let's not rush in 
And because right. that's some great tips there straight away, Pete. So what you've just done for people is literally take them through and they can then almost tick it off, can't they? Which I, I love that. That's a really nice, that's a n- nice way to do it. So if you would indulge us, give us some more of your tips. Now, the tips, if it's an eight or nine hour flight, the children are settled or it might be just a husband and wife or somebody you don't want to know about, like a personal friend and you're still worried, keep the times table because that will not change wherever you are in the world. And to back that up, when Janet and I, forgive me for digressing, but it just reminded me, when Janet and I spent four weeks in Hawaii, we were on Waikiki Beach and we noticed every minute a 747 was taking off and turning out to sea to avoid Diamond Head. I was very lucky to meet one of the captains who was staying in this hotel. And I said, you know, we're fear of flying stuff. I said, you always go out over, right over the sea and never go the other way. He says, because people will complain about the noise sitting sunbathing on Waikiki Beach. I thought, right, so the noise abatement, we have to reduce the noise because of a lot of money being spent in Hawaii. So that, that I thought was very interesting. So I said to them, if you do a turn, it's because it was a noise abatement out of the way. They'll do a turn and go on the course set by when they, when they do the flight path. Another tip that I've got is that this works very well. I recently had a where I, this guy was absolutely amazing because he was frightened that an aircraft couldn't fly for more than an hour and it would fall out of the sky. The very next day, he was off to Miami. And he couldn't understand how a plane could fly for so long. So I explained everything about the um, the takeoff and all the procedures, all the fuel on board, all the backup systems that are there. I said, if anything goes wrong, it's not the aircraft. It'll probably be a passenger who hasn't declared that I bet it. It might be some pregnancy. It might be some hay fever. But the aircraft will be perfectly safe to fly. When you're into the air... One thing to do is, I know he was worried about the one-hour flight, so I said, let's time manage the flight, okay? So this time management is what we've used before in in other scenarios with different things. And I said, for the first hour, you've got nine hours to kill. For the first hour, settle down. He wasn't afraid of getting to the airport, and he wasn't afraid of getting on the plane. He was afraid after one hour. Settle down. Look at all the passengers around you. And his wife was there. And I said, make sure your wife is comfortable. And make sure that if she wants anything, you can ask the cabin crew to do it. Because So anyway, I told him, and he was writing this down, time managed to fly. So, all right, let's say you spent an hour getting to the airport, sitting around, looking at all the people, buy a few bits and pieces. But on the plane... For the first hour, sit down, look at all the people around you, see who shouldn't be sitting together, see who's married, not holding hands, see the young lovers, look at the honeymooners, see the businessman who's all in a suit. After takeoff, they normally come round within an hour, maybe with a, a trolley for a drink, depending on the type of aircraft you're on. Then that will kill two hours into the flight. So the first two hours is you're taking note of all the people, you're looking at things going on in the cabin, looking out the window, 
And then cabin crew will come round and see you know, with a Coke or a coffee. Then the third hour, have a read of a book. Be aware of all the things going around you and their normal signs, lovely sounds. And I said, to me, a 747 or an A380 is very like our two cats we have, two Russian blues. When they purr, they remind me of a 747 or an A350. Think it, they've got two cats. So these engines are purring. Think of your cats in a cattery. And when you get back, they will ignore you because you've left them. So think of different things in, 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 say, the third hour. Think of the cats. Read a book. Then in the fourth hour, stretch your legs. Just walk up and down. If the seatbelt sign is off, go to the loo. Don't be afraid to go to the loo. Don't sit in there. Go to the one end of the cabin, the back end, because that's a little bit bumpy there. And I, I explained why the back can be a little bumpy. And that's very normal. Have a drink, they'll give you a Coke or something. Walk back and forward if you can, then sit down. Then watch a movie, a two-hour movie. So five to six hours is going to go with a two-hour movie, and you've got lots of different movies. In the seventh to eighth hour, if it might be eight to Miami or nine, then the captain will come on with an announcement about X, Y, Z, that we'll soon be making our descent into Miami. And before you know it, your eight to nine or ten hour flight has just flown by. He flew to Miami. He actually did all that and he phoned me from Miami and said, Pete, it worked. He had a checklist of everything that's going on. And to add to the checklist, what I did, the same with the school teacher lady, I said, now, let's write down what the aircraft's going to do as it approaches Miami. So there's another thing to take your mind off the time. Mm. So one hour out, he might be at 33,000 feet, maybe 35, and very gradually he'll just start his descent, and you can feel it in the ears, and you write that down. Write down all the different noises you hear, and then, so when we meet, when you come back, we can explain those. When you go through the cow base, you get a few wobbles, because uh, the forces is in the air currents there coming up, will wobble the wings. And eventually you'll land in Miami. And because it might be, because it's got a lot of rain there and a lot of heat, you might have a, a, a loud landing as they disperse the water under the wheels. And he wasn't worried about that. He said, it's good, Pete, because that'll take my mind off it for the last seven or eight hour. And he loved it. And he, he's done that. And I did, the same. I did the same for a lady had never been on a plane in her life. I went through the... I actually came here. This is a lovely story. The family said, Pete, you're mad. She's a nutcase. She's a teacher. She tells people what to do. She doesn't like being told what to do. And she wanted to go to see her daughter. Uh, and they said, you just... She's, they really were angry that she wanted to do it. For 30 years of her marriage, she did Devon, Cornwall, um, Wales, Scotland, while the husband flew all around the world on his own for 30 years. He wouldn't go. She came here and we went through the times table thing of everything that's going to happen. And so we went to Barcelona for the day and I made a write down exactly all the things that an aircraft will do and especially coming up to the Pyrenees. I said, now look, we're going to go over some mountains and the air currents will rush up 
wobbled her wings, and you might get jostled around. She fell asleep. I and the cabin crew, I told the cabin crew, my name's Pete Higgins, they gave us a special seat. They came back to see if she wanted reassurance, and she was asleep. She slept towards about 25 minutes from landing in Barcelona. She got a checklist out and did it. We flew back on the same thing. When we got back to Gatwick, the family were waiting and they were quite angry because they said to her, what do you think of it? She said, I loved it. Well, you can imagine what took yeah. place. Four weeks later, she went to Cyprus. Six weeks later, she went to Dubai. And about three or four months later, she flew by Dubai to see her daughter in Australia and has done that three or four times. And this woman has never been on a plane before. Oh, that's amazing. So that's the amazing. Checklist, the checklist paid off. Yeah, that's a really good... I love that tip. And I think a reason I like that is because it, it activates that sort of front of the brain, doesn't it? The, the really mm -hmm. rational part. So they, mm -hmm. if they're so busy concentrating on the logical stuff, they haven't got time to think about that more sort of fight or flight stuff is much more like a human that's brilliant i mean that must be great very rewarding for you what what i mean what why do you do it what's what's the sort of driver for you i suppose with 42 years in customer service frontline working with blind people deaf people working with people uh, that had quite disabilities instructing them how to use the modern telecommunications equipment in those time, working at exhibitions all around the country, uh, Earl's Court, Olympia, demonstrating, demonstrating. We, and we always had to demonstrate the features and the advantages, benefits. Oh, if you buy this telephone set or this switchboard, 32 lines, 500 extensions, you can do this and do that. And there's the advantage and the benefit would be obvious. So I was just so used to helping people mm. uh, and doing things like that. So even when I was in the job centre signing on the unemployed, they wouldn't have a clue what they wanted. Several people that we had were earning 200000 a year. And in the class, when I was signing them on, they were down to, I think it was 40-odd pounds uh, allowance you get. So... We helped them find other work. And then when I secured a place at Virgin Atlantic and I saw the opportunity to try and go on the flying without fear team, to me, it was the icing on the cake, mm. helping people. Janet's from the same background. She was a, a head chef in a kindergarten. So she had all the training on how to look after children, mothers that might be screaming about their babies being left alone. Then she worked in a nursing home for a long time and knew how to give customer care and customer service that, for people that were quite petrified, especially if they got medical conditions. So our background is all in customer service right up to date. I do it because I just love doing it. Not only that, I'm living the last of the summer wine. I've got nothing else to do. I can mow the lawn. <laughs> I can walk the car, then what? So why not give my time to help people? Yeah. In the last of the summer wine, do you ever watch that program? I did when it was on. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, do you remember Pearl? Yes. Well, Janet's just like Pearl. <laughs> she sees everything, hears everything, knows everything. She can see around corners. 
And when anybody wants my opinion, Janet will give it to them. That's how we get on. And we keep this laughter up. Even when we've been with the Flying Without Fear team uh, all around the country with you, we use that banter. Mm. And on some of the flights we've done with you, Paul, uh, was a, we were waiting at Heathrow. And there was me sitting here and Janet was opposite. And this woman said to me, you must have a fear of something. You cannot be that bright and afraid of nothing. I said, oh, I've got one fear. I said, redheaded women. And Janet was sitting, I said, I heard that, you dipstick. And because <laughs> they all laughed. And when you're laughing, as we've demonstrated in some of our programmes, you can't be afraid. Mm. So we just love, just love helping people. It's as simple as that. No, and you're brilliant, <clears throat> mate. Honestly, you're brilliant. You've, you've always given so much. Um, so for those who don't know, Pete and I used to work on my previous programme, which was the Virgin Flying Without Fear one. Mm. Pete was there, come rain or shine, whatever, yeah. would turn up, go all, all around the country to, to help people. So you've always been great like that. So it doesn't hey. surprise me that you, you've always done it. Well, one day everyone will get to the last of the summer wine and let's hope that you'll be helping people in, in your cleggy and foggy and pearl situation at <laughs> the last of the summer wine. I think it's lovely. I, it doesn't cost me anything. And the feeling at the end of the day, when we got back and you hear the laughter and the chatter, you see the relief in their faces. You can see how people that in the morning had a dreadful fear of flying and in the evening, it's gone. Yeah. It, it's, a, it's a wonderful thing. And all the support is backed up by the, the, with people like yourself and all the other members, the captains, Captain Steve Ball. They've got all the backup there. They can talk to people. And you provided the human side of things. When we were talking, we're talking just like you and I are now. Mm. Not like, perhaps, forgive me, a school teacher that will give an instruction. We talk just so relaxed. And on many occasions, I would say to people, if it was dangerous, I wouldn't do it. Paul, Paul says I wouldn't do it. Nobody would do it. My son, Stephen, he's done 25 years long haul. He wouldn't do it. And on a recent trip that I did with Stephen, he took me to Hong Kong for five or six days. And um, several times, the captains would come out and sit and have coffee with me. And they all said, if we weren't going home in a couple of days' time, I wouldn't be sitting here. He said, that's how safe it is. And several of them said, I met two or three captains and, and one flight out and two different flight back. And they said, we've got cats and dogs. He said, when I go back, I've got to mow the lawn. I loved it. Just the normal thing. And another yeah, yeah, exactly. Said, I've got to go to Tesco's. And so this is the human side of it and Virgin Atlantic Flying Without Fear and the Love Vibe program can create that feeling of just normality that it's an everyday thing no drama it's just that once they understand how the whole system works mm. life becomes easy yes I think it was amazing so when I think back to those days running those courses with you and the other guys mm -hmm. you know we we had a slight a different model to to what I'm doing now but it was you know, the purpose was to help people to get to get to those sort of destinations, to give them back choices. And the reason I started doing what I'm doing now is 
that I wanted to do something a little bit more personal, probably similar to what you're doing, where you're doing it a bit more one-to-one or one-to-a-few. So it's not to say that those large courses weren't effective because certainly there's you know thousands of people that will are walking around now able to fly that couldn't before. So there's no mm. doubt that, it, but it's, it's also nice to be able to offer people choices and, and there's great people out there like you doing stuff to help people. So do you still get people call you up now? Yes. Um, How do they find you then? <laughs> you, you, you got your it, number in it, phone boxes. No, <laughs> no, it's usually, um, the doctor's surgery, because my doctor has got a pilot's license. So I haven't seen him for a while, but every time I go see the doctor, I'm always the last patient. Then we look at aircraft on his screen, and what he's flown loads of aircraft. My dentist has got my cards in there. Oh, funny. Right, and then um, it's just word of mouth. So it, these it, people are all pimping you, aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what, if you can... Just as a matter of interest, on the one of the flights I did, I, I took a lady out and back. I, I think it was Madrid. We flew out to Madrid and back. And she was actually, she, you might have to edit this out, but she wouldn't fly unless she wore a nappy because she would not leave the seat. She gripped the armrest for two mm. to three hours. I mm. said, no, you don't need that. So we got down to Gatwick and we got on the EasyJet flight and she said she didn't have a nappy on. I told the cabin crew, and they said, we'll look after you. And then she wanted to go to the loo. So I told this lovely lady cabin crew, and she came up and said, right, stand up. And then we learned about that rail that runs all along the boxes, the overhead beams. So I just hold that and just walk down, walk down. Anyway, she's a bit wobbly at the back, and she got, to the loo and she'd been flying for many many years <laughs> when she came out all the cabin crew clapped <laughs> and she said i've done it i've done my first pee on an aeroplane that was absolutely <laughs> hope you gave a certificate for that pee <laughs> uh, i'll tell you what that was marvelous and the, the other tip that i i used just the very last one if someone's really petrified i had a lady that was petrified of airports once she smelt the aviation fuel, she wanted to turn back. Mm. This is in the car park. Yeah. Well, I got her. I, I got her into the car park. Met her in the car park. I went through a little bit of tapping, although it wasn't needed. Before we got to the flight, she wasn't worried about the flying. This is a strange bit. It was a fear of airports. So I said to her, "Look, yeah, I'm seventy odd, and you're a bit younger. Could you do me a favour?" Right. So a fear went because she doesn't know, like I've learned from you, she doesn't know what the favour is. Look, I might, Mr. Balls, can you make sure that you check the flight for me? Okay, and then can you make sure that I take you to the right gate? I gave her something to do. And before that, I said, look, I'll go for a coffee. But I said, but I haven't got my glasses. Can you make sure you get me the right one? I took her thoughts completely away Mm, from the Very clever. And then when we got to the EasyJet desk, I said, just a minute. And I asked to speak to the manager. Little did I know that they said, there's no EasyJet manager. It's all UPS, run EasyJet. I've never heard of that. But anyway, the manager came up. I said, this is, say, Mary. I said, Mary once had a fear of airports. He gave her a cup of coffee. 
<laughs> sit down and had a chat with her. And oh. she was so relaxed. Right, now what we're going to do, we're going to go up and down on the train. All right. So we got on the South Terminal train, went to the North, did that four or five times to get used to it. said, look, simples. Then we had plenty of time. Then we boarded our flight and we flew. I think we had to Barcelona. And she had no problem with that. And when you got to Barcelona Airport, now I'd never been there before. I said, right, make sure I don't screw up. Would do me a favour? Can you leave me to the outside? Can you take me? And we did that. Then we went for a coffee. Now, can you order me a coffee? Do this, do that. I just changed her thoughts. And when we came back, she walked out of Gatwick without a care in the world. Brilliant. That's brilliant. Just changed her thoughts. So you just pretend to be helpless. And yeah. <laughs> yeah, it worked. I'm rescuing you. Distracts yeah. them long enough, and then yeah. they get oh, brilliant, mate. Honestly, that's just, I love that. That's quite. That's just there's something quite cheeky about that. I hope whoever you help next doesn't listen to this because they'll know it's a trick. But it's a, a really <laughs> nice technique, isn't it, to get them well, distracted, but using the the front of their brain again. Well, the another trick, Paul. You might, if you want to use this, but Janet and I were with you on a flight with Captain Steve Ball up the front out of the gallery. And I had this head teacher all day at the table crying, about five foot tall, and she scared the life out of me because of being a teacher. She didn't participate in anything, she just cried, but she got on the aircraft. And I said to her, look, do me a favour, can you sit right at the back, because that's where the wobbles are. And the wobbles is like cobblestones when you're in a car, it'd be just the same. Mm. So Captain Seaball did all the takeoff stuff and we... He did a wonderful job explaining all the things that's going on. And she was crying and crying and crying. So, bing bong, we got allowed to stand up and walk up and down. I went up to her and said, are you okay? And for the first time, she spoke a, a four-letter word. No, I'm not. So I had one second to change that. And I said to her, I hope we're not up here all night. And then the teacher's voice, not what, but with a, what? I said, I hope we're not up here all night. I don't want to be late. Why? Now she forgot about her fear. I said, because Janet and I got to get to Tesco's. What? <laughs> I said, we've got to get to Tesco's. They shut at 10. Look, it's nine o'clock and we're still in the air. Then she said, why are you going to get to Tesco's? I said, we've got to get cat food because we've got two Russian blues. What? Is that important? And I said to her, have you ever been ignored by a cat? It's not very nice. And she burst out laughing and enjoyed the flight. Oh. <laughs> oh god. So the so we get it now. So the so so you you put your, you really put yourself out. I love all these little clever little ways that you're doing it. You like um you kind of uh, use Jedi mind tricks on them, you know, the, you bring in the Russian blues, you, you bring in Tesco's, <laughs> whatever it takes. I love it, Pete. I mean, it's just, <clears throat> I, I've it's seen so many work. people that you've helped. I've, I've seen so many people and I think, uh, I hope that you'll keep doing this and that people oh, will okay. keep finding you. If you had one last message to give to people, uh, just to say why they shouldn't be scared of flying, what would it be? They would be able to enjoy slowly to start with and as their career builds up 
all the wonderful things that Janet and I have seen. We did an air safari in Kenya in a Russian parachute plane. Some people on there were petrified because the captain was about 15 years of age, was probably 20, but he looked so young. And we were flying around, and when we landed, he said that we've got to make sure there's no elephants down there or lions, because we were flying all around this, in this. It was a Russian plane, and we landed on grass, and the aircraft terminal was a Maasai Mara on duty with, in a straw hut. That was lovely. The seaplane adventure, they could, if they go to the Maldives on that special anniversary or the honeymoon they waited for, to fly a seaplane with Australian captains with no shoes on is amazing. And to fly at 2,000 feet and get wet inside because the windows are open and the cloud, we got soaked. I was in hysterics. They've got all the wonderful things to enjoy. To go to the Caribbean, perhaps in economy, premium or upper class or club class for that special treat, you will enjoy it more knowing that you once had a fear and it's gone, let the cabin and the captains take you there. Let them look after you. They've so much to enjoy in the world. And also, another thing I, I often get people to do, I say, come on, we're going for coffee and we go down the Gatwick. Smell the aviation fuel. Now, I did a radio phone in the other day. I think it was Surrey Radio or, or in Brighton. And they wanted people to list all their favourite smells. And they all went on with bread, coffee, and all those lovely things in the supermarket. So I rang and said, aviation fuel. <laughs> I said, because it means if I smell aviation fuel, I'm going somewhere. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and I know, then, I can relate to that. <laughs> right, and I said, if they did a perfume at Christmas of aviation fuel or jet, whatever, jet A1, I'd buy it for Janet. <laughs> and she could spray it all over and I'd be on holiday every day. <laughs> Pete, I think we'll leave it there. <laughs> okay, buddy. Thanks, if it, if, uh, Pete Higgins. If it's no good, Paul, do it again if it's no good. No, it's that was that was mint. Honestly, that was really great stuff. So I just want to say, Pete, thank you so much for giving us your time. And uh and obviously, people can can find you if they if they happen to be hanging around the sort of the well, catering yeah, sort of ish area. Yeah, uh, you might be lurking there, you know, tricking people into taking you through airports and buy coffee to distract them. But Pete Higgins has been doing this for years, so thank you. Keep doing what you're doing, Pete, and I'm, I'm just so grateful for your time today. Thank you. Okay, thanks for the call. It's nice meeting you again. <laughs>